This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to some sort of the Cooler Jets podcast where it's Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, we've been promising the post-draft mailbag for a minute now. It's finally here. A lot of questions. Thank you for everybody who submitted one. A lot to get through here, Michael. I know every time we do a mailbag, we're like, we're going to fly through these. We're not going to spend 20 minutes on each question, and then inevitably it's a three-hour podcast. So we'll see if we uh, how quickly we move through this. But first, Michael, before we get into the questions, how are you doing? Week after the draft, all the dust has settled. The Jets made a few veteran moves this week. So how are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. I mean, this has been a fun offseason or it was stressful for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, maybe wait, a month it wasn't plus fun. There. I, I, fun offseason wasn't the right way to describe it. It's been a fun past few weeks since the Rodgers trade was completed. Since that happened, the vibes have just been incredible. And I think it all starts for me with the way Rodgers has embraced the whole being a Jet because, I mean, he just came right to the facility. He was working out immediately. It seems like he's happy and Going to Knicks games. Just going to Knicks games, going to Rangers games. Unfortunately, won't be any more of those. I'm a Rangers fan. Hopefully more Knicks games, though. Yeah, but, uh, but, yeah, just uh, since he's come come to the team and the energy that has that he's brought to the entire building has been so much fun to watch, and it's kind of invigorated itself throughout not only the organization but the fan base as well so it's been fun to watch and it's there's a lot of optimism going forward I think that was a lot of people's big concern with Rodgers is how how committed is he going to be at 39 and I think the we assumed the entire time that okay he's he's a guy who's only gonna play one year we're going the Tampa Bay Brady route try to win the Super Bowl if not you know they have to eat a big cap hit but um seeing how committed he is and the way he's talking about how reinvigorated he feels, and you can see in his face, I mean, he looks like five years younger. Uh, it really wouldn't surprise me if he hangs around for two, maybe even three years. I mean, athletes play longer than ever before. He looks like he's in tremendous shape. He's happy. He is surrounded by people he's familiar with, and the Jets seem to really have built the culture that that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have been talking about for years. And I'll be honest, when, when Joe Douglas said uh, on a, at his introductory press conference that he wants the Jets to be the best culture in sports, and then you look across the stage, you see Adam Gase as the head coach. I seemed pretty far-fetched, but, you know, we're getting to a point now, especially if the Jets are able to win some actual football games, that their culture, the league has taken notice. And we'll get into these uh, these questions, but I have, a, I have a mailbag question for you, Michael. I think it's inevitable that the Jets are on hard knocks this summer. It feels that the league can force it. The Jets are one of the, the most exciting storylines this this year. They have so many different characters in that locker room. It just feels like that's inevitable. Are you pro or anti hard knocks? I think people have different perceptions. It can be a distraction, but also it's a, it's a good way to show the rest of the league what uh, Sala and JD have been able to build, maybe bring in new fans. I mean, how do you feel? 
Well, I agree with you. I do think it's a foregone conclusion and we're going to get it. So whether you like it or not, just get ready to embrace it. <laughs> but uh, I I think it's a plus. I, or maybe it's not a plus in terms of, like, I don't see how it makes the team better, but I, I'm for hard knocks. I just think it'll be really entertaining. Cool this is this is a great off season to have it just because of all the storylines we have. And I know they do have the, you know, they do a great job, a great job with one jets drive or a, but what do they call it? Flight, flight now? 20, they call it flight yeah. 22, 23. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the team does a great job with their documentary series. So we do already get plenty of access through that, but I think hard knocks is a different perspective. It's a little more unbiased, a little more real than the team documentary team docu series. So uh, I think it'll be fun. I, I don't think it'll hurt the team because I mean, the last great, no be some story ads. They'll They're be on hard knocks. So, and there were storylines um, then, and especially with yeah. Rogers and Zach Wilson, and then it's like even just like guys like Mackay Becton. I mean, there's a lot of characters on this team, and yeah, there'll be there'll be some New York Post headlines, but hopefully no Antonio Cromartie moments uh, on this team. All right, Michael, let's let's hop into it. I apologize. I'm totally gonna butcher everybody's names. It's a common theme. I, I I'm sorry, uh, but from at oh god, all right, Etan underscore Zecker. E-I-T-A-N? Is that Eaton? Like Eaton? I don't know. We're gonna I'm not gonna comment. Right, I don't want to mess it up. I'll okay. leave, I'll hang you out to dry there. Okay, fine. I'll I'll screw everybody's names up. Uh he asked three different questions. Uh we'll start with the first one. Where do you think Becton ends up on the O line after the recent complaints? Obviously, I've been saying this all offseason. I think anybody paying attention to Becton's Twitter, he's been very adamant that he's a left tackle. He talks about you know, the, the injury to the right knee, playing right tackle puts a lot more stress on it. He's more comfortable at left tackle. He had great success as rookie year at left tackle. Um, and that was part of the reason when the Jets didn't get an offensive tackle and then they got Tipman. I was kind of assuming, okay, maybe they'll try to kick AVT out to guard or out to right tackle and you can let Becton and Dwayne Brown compete at left tackle. But now, you know, you draft Carter Warren. It seems like the Jets are high on Max Mitchell. They bring in uh, Billy Turner and the offensive tackle depth is. It's pretty good. So I like how they filled out the O-line. I think Saul has been pretty clear about best five are going to play. He, he challenged Becton to earn that left tackle position. I'll ask you this, Michael. What In your head, what does the best, the best five look like? It's, it's hard without being there at training camp practices, but how do you think they'll, they'll roll it out? What different combinations do you think they'll try? And then ultimately, what do you think is the best five from what you've seen? Well, first of all, I did a quick Google search, and I think it's pronounced Aton. 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 E-I-T-A-N. Yeah, that's what okay. I'm getting from Google. So tell us if that's right. <laughs> and again, thanks for the questions. But uh, go ahead and send us a tweet. Tell us if we butchered that, which we probably did. And we apologize. But uh, in terms of the best five on the offensive line, I think the big variable here that we just have to see how it plays out is those two rookie ta- or not rookie tackles, but the two homegrown tackles they drafted these past two right. years. Max Mitchell last year. And Carter Warren this year could Mitchell have taken a second year leap is Carter Warren maybe um and this is unlikely to happen but it does happen is he maybe an instant hit who looks like one of the best five in that offensive line if one of those things happen then I think there could be a scenario where instead of Dwayne Brown you have one of those two guys alongside Mekhi Becton but if one of the or, you know if Mitchell hasn't taken that second year leap or if Warren most likely this is the case if he's not ready to play right away um, then I think it has to be Dwayne Brown at left tackle and Mekhi Becton at right tackle just because Dwayne Brown has never played right tackle in the NFL. For all his experience in the league, it's only been at left tackle. And he's getting paid $11 million. Of his career, He's getting paid $11 million, but it, 
it just feels like Becton with his versatility is more yeah. suited to move to that right side than Dwayne Brown is. So I know left tackles where Becton has his sights set, but it feels like the best five has to include um, Dwayne Brown at left tackle and Makai Becton at right tackle. Yeah, I could see it changing throughout the season. I mean, obviously with injuries, but if if Brown is playing like he was at times last year, I mean, look, he's he's well liked in that in that organization. He played on the torn rotator cuff. He's a veteran. He's a leader. I'm sure Rogers likes the idea of having a a uh, a guy be his left his left tackle who's been in the league damn near as long as as Rogers has. Doesn't have to worry about being protected by the uh, inexperienced uh, guys in this line, at least to open up the season. But I agree with you. I think Brown, I think their day one training camp starting five is probably Brown at left tackle, Becton at, at right tackle, you know, AVT at right guard. Uh, and, you know, I think they didn't give sauce the starting corner position right out of training camp. I think Bryce Hall was still over him, right. For the first like week. And right, then he, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if McGovern maybe opens up as the starting center. And then by the end of training camp, I think Tipman will overtake him and and we'll probably roll with the, with that five. And then and we'll see. Um, he has two more questions here. But uh, do you think do you think Randall Cobb's contract means that he definitely makes the roster and plays more than he probably should talent wise? And does that mean the end at the end for Mims? Uh, I mean, his contract was maybe a little bit more than I thought it would be, but it's not it's not breaking the bank. And. Uh, no, I mean, he definitely is going to make the roster. He's buddy-buddy with Aaron Rodgers. He has that connection. He brings the Jets a, a good slot option. I think one of the things that we were worried about is if Garrett Wilson goes down, you know, who can kind of fill that explosive big play threat? And I think their plan might be if Garrett goes down, you're going to try to give a lot more of those reps to, to Miko. You, you know, the types of plays where they give Garrett on those those wide receiver screens, those jet sweeps. I mean, Miko will get those in his uh, pseudo Braxton Berrios role. But having a guy like Randall Cobb, who's such a veteran slot receiver, has that connection with Rodgers, allows you to to bump Cole and move him around uh, if if there are injuries. Uh, so how do you what do you think about Randall Cobb? I don't think we, we haven't talked about it. Uh, are you a fan of this signing? Uh, do you like what he brings? And then as as what, what did we say it was Aton Aton? Uh, does that mean the yeah. end the uh, the end for Denzel Mims? <laughs> we think. Um, I, I don't know if it's totally related because you know they play completely different positions or different receiver roles um and i still think that you know you're probably going to carry at least six receivers and as it stands right now mim still has that sixth spot and it's he's really going to be competing against those you know other bottom of the roster undrafted free agents and some of those other fringe guys for that last spot um but in terms of the Cobb signing i like it i know a lot of people's instant reaction is Here's another best friend for Rodgers. Cobb is old. He's washed up and all that. And and yeah, to an extent, he's not close to the same player he used to be, but they're not signing him to be that. Right now, he's you know your number five option at receiver, plus everything else the Jets have at tight end, at running back. So he's not going to play – when everyone's healthy, he's not going to play a lot. Um, he's only going to get a handful of snaps per game, and I think he's just a good – presence in the locker room as a respected veteran who knows this offense, who knows Rodgers. And in terms of on field, I think he still has plenty to offer. I mean, he's not going to give you explosiveness or, you know, broken tackles or anything flashy, but he still has very good numbers in terms of drops. He does not drop a lot of passes. Definitely would have beat Minnesota. Up- yeah, which is exa- exactly what I was going to say. Huge upgrade over the guy who was playing this role last year, Braxton Barrio, says that, you know, kind of backup slot guy. Different different type of players, obviously. I think Hardman will take over a lot of that. 
when everyone's healthy in terms of some of Barrios's screens and stuff like that. But Barrios really was that backup slot guy. And, you know, I think now Cobb will take up some of those, you know, slot routes as a reserve when they go 10 personnel, things like that. Um, and now you have a guy in Cobb who's not going to drop those easy passes that Barrios was dropping. And his route running is still pretty good. Again, he's not going to make explosive plays or anything like that, but he does still have good finesse in his route running. He can get himself open. And that's something I also don't think Barrios did too well. He was a playmaker with the ball in his hands, but he never really got himself open. I think Cobb can do that to a decent level. So they're not paying him a lot of money. They're not expecting much from him. I think he's a good addition to the bottom of the depth chart. And as for Mims, I'm going to make a prediction. I know I think we are going to disagree on this one. I think Mims makes an impact this year. I really do. I think he has his best year as a pro. And, and here's here's how I would phrase it. How would Alan Lazard have been with with Zach Wilson as his quarterback? And I, and I'm, I know Mims is not. It's not just like he's wide open on the all twenty two all the time, and he's just getting ignored. He certainly has issues, a lot of mental errors, a lot of penalties. Um, but I think that bringing in a Hall of Fame quarterback like Rodgers, who likes the bigger, taller receivers, likes to throw those jump balls, I think Mims has an impact. Injuries will happen. I think he'll play. I think he's going to make the roster. The big key is, you know, do they feel like he can play special teams? They they won't have Jeff Smith. You know, once you get to those fifth and sixth receiver roles, you need to have guys who can play the specials. But it looks like he's, again, in fantastic shape. Uh, shape. Solo is singing his praises. I think he makes an impact. Is that – am I just drinking the Kool-Aid because now we have Aaron Rodgers? Are you are you still out on Mims? I'm going to disagree. I don't think I could drink the Mims Kool-Aid right now, but I, I do see where you're coming from just because of, you know, what a quarterback like Rodgers can do for your team because it's something we haven't experienced with the jets because a good quarterback can it can he can make everyone on the in the pass catching group look better just through the production that they're getting and with the quarterbacks we've had with the jets the only guys who stand out are the players who really earn it like the garrett wilsons and you know when marshall and decker had their year in 2015 you have to be really good to stand out with the type of quarterbacking the jets have had but when you've really good quarterback you can make receivers stand out even when they aren't playing the greatest because you can give them great balls to catch and allow them to emphasize their strengths. Um, so with Mims, like I don't think any of us are expecting, even if you're an optimistic Mims fan like like yourself, I don't think the expectation is that he'll catch a ton of passes or anything, but it's more so like he'll get in there and Rodgers will put up some good deep balls that are in a spot where he can go get it with his speed and box people out and make some of those jump ball catches that we saw in his rookie year. So I could, I could see him making more plays than he did the past couple of years. I can see that, but I still just don't think he'll be a routine consistent player. The other thing too, is he just was never seemingly never a good fit in Michael floors offense. He was definitely in, in the doghouse uh, from right when uh, the new coaching staff arrived. And I think changing coaches, I mean, the jets already, you can see how different the receiver room looks. Clearly they're emphasizing the size. They want to play basketball. I mean, they got Alan Lazard and Corey Davis. And if one of those guys goes down, who's the next big body guy that can come in and fill in, uh, you know, mid season, if you've already established what this te- what this, you know, offense looks like. Um, if you lose one of those big body guys, if Lazard goes down for four or five weeks, you can plug a guy like Mimson who has all the talent in the world. You would imagine he's developed over the last few years. I know he's not look, I don't, like you said, I don't think he's going off with anything crazy, but I think he, I think he scores a few touchdowns. I think he makes an impact definitely towards the end of the season when, when the injuries kick in. And I think he has his best season as a pro, 
Uh, he is a free agent after the year, so it's probably his last year in New York, I'd imagine. But uh, I'm, 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 yeah, it's a contract year too, right? Yeah, twenty twenty two. Yeah, it's a contract yeah. year for him. So I think you're going to see uh, some Denzel Mims plays. I think finally we're going to get the, uh, the maybe not what we were expecting when they drafted him, but competent, He'll do talented. He'll he will do something. Hopefully something positive. That's not uh, a penalty. <laughs> that's true. It's the same thing for Corey Davis and Myers too. It's like, how good would Corey Davis have been with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback? I mean, he would have made the fucking Pro Bowl. That's and... what that's what I'm most interested to see out of these guys and the receiver group. I mean, obviously, Garrett Wilson will get the most hype, and deservedly so. He could be a top five receiver with Rodgers. But Corey Davis, I think, because when you look at the Jets receiver group and compare it across the league, I know there was this one ranking that just came out um, from – the ESPN analytics team or whatever, but they had the Jets receiver group as the 13th best in the league. And I think that's fair when you're looking at it on paper, but the main reason they are that low is because there are so many teams that just have a better second guy compared to, because Garrett Wilson is great, but you know, they don't have T Higgins and Jamar Chase or DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but Corey Davis could, I think could create a duo that's up in that caliber. If he has the quarterbacking, uh, that he needs because the numbers he put up the last couple of years with the quarterbacking the Jets got is pretty solid considering that. And, and back in 2020 when he's with AJ Brown and he had a quarterback playing well with Ryan Tannehill, he put up very top, very top tier, you know, number two receiver numbers. He, his numbers that year were even number one caliber. So uh, I'm curious to see what Corey Davis could look like with Aaron Rodgers If he could prove that, you know, he could be a very capable number two and establish this Jets receiver group as not just solid overall, but very, very good. I think he's the type of player that, that Rodgers is really going to like because he's a high IQ, great route runner in the, well, maybe I shouldn't say great, a good route runner, always in the uh, the right place at the right time. He struggled with some drops, but you think about some of the clutch plays that he made. I mean, especially last year, it seems like when the Jets needed a big play, they went to Corey Davis. You think about Pittsburgh, you think about that fourth down throw to, uh, in Minnesota. So I think, and you just look at what he brings uh, in the run game as well. I mean, having him and Lazard as two great run blocking wide receivers, and it opens up that PA attack. That was one of the things that he did in in Tennessee was that we haven't seen is the the deep shots. I mean, we saw it, I guess, against Tennessee, Zach Wilson's uh, coming out party. Um, But I'd like to see him stretch the field a little bit vertically because with him and Lazard and Wilson, I'm curious how they'll deploy him. You know, I think you might see a little bit more uh, Wilson in the in the slot. Lazard has plenty of slot reps as well. But I think Corey Davis is a guy that could get lost in the shuffle when you're trying to guard Garrett Wilson, defend against Brees Hall. You, Rogers has the connection to his guys and Cobb and Lazard. And so I think Corey Davis. I know this is completely not the question that he asked, but I think Corey Davis is in uh, is in store for uh, for a big season. All right, his last question. The contract for Quinnen seems pretty clear with multiple other top DTs setting the market around four years, $90 million, $60 million guaranteed. With reports out there, the Jets and Quinnen aren't close to a deal. Who do you think is far away from that bar ballpark? I think it, it gets done this summer. I think it'll be higher than that. I think it's probably more like 100 for four years. Do, do you agree with that? I mean, twenty. It's, with the guarantees, it might be a little bit lower, you know, that would be roughly 25 million a year, but you might see like, you know, 22 and a half and stuff, you know, but I think overall that the contract structure, like you said, is four years, but I think it's going to be that hundred million, which would set him. I think that would make him the second highest paid defensive tackle. Let me look yeah. at it. Um, where do you see the, I think there's another question about it, about the contract, but where, where do you see it ultimately ending? Yeah, I think, I think there's a chance. The reason it hasn't 
played out yet is because Quinnen and his camp are looking to get way beyond Jeffrey Simmons' contract. I think out of the ones, yeah, out of the ones signed this offseason, he's been the highest at four, four ninety four, fifty nine guaranteed. And Donald's number one. He's this ridiculous contract that no one's going to touch. But Simmons, out of the rest of the guys, he's the bar right now. And I think Quinnen and his camp are going to push to get pretty significantly past that because, you know, Q was a first team all pro. Simmons was second team. Um, Q had, I think, five more sacks than him on way fewer snaps. So he is a strong case to significantly out, you know, get a much bigger contract than Simmons did. But I think the Jets are maybe waiting it out and trying to see if they could get it closer to that. But I think you're right. So you said 100. It was 494 for Simmons. So I think maybe somewhere in between there is where they'll, where they'll settle. Maybe like 498 guarantees around 60 million, something like that. It'll get done. I don't think there's any concern about that. But uh, yeah. I think you, you're probably seeing the two sides. Quinnen has a great case to go way beyond the bar right now, just considering how he performed compared to Simmons. And I think right. the Jets are just trying to say, look, we'll make you, we'll get you past that, but there's a certain bar we don't want to go past. Yeah. And this kind of leads into the next question from at verge zero zero one, since there's no early deal savings to be had from Q since the market's been set being, he only had one season where he lived up to his draft status. It's debatable. Would it be smarter to see if he can uh, continues his dominance this year, or is it a real risk that he sits out or demands a trade? I, I think this deal gets done. I think the jets want to send the message. Saul has talked about it, that, if you perform, you can get paid. I think there's, like you said, look, Joe Douglas isn't a pushover. He's, you know, going to try to get the best deal for the Jets. I think they'll come to that middle ground. You're probably right. It probably will be a little bit less than 100. I wouldn't surprise me if, like, the number is 100, but then, like you said, like the guaranteed money would be a little bit lower. The average per year might be a little less than 25. Um, but they want to show the locker. I mean, you can see his teammates calling for it on Twitter. You want to show the locker room that if you perform, you're homegrown. I know he wasn't drafted by Joe Douglas, but he's, at this point, I think I guess Mosley's technically the the longest tenure jet, or is it is it Hennessy? Hennessy's the longest tenure Hennessey, jet, right? Right, yeah. right. And then it's Mosley because he signed, and then Quinnen. But he's a guy who's been here from the Gase years. He's developed. He's I he has definitely lived up to his his draft status. He plays an incredibly important position. The Jets want to invest in the defensive line. He's still incredibly young. Um, this deal is going to get done. I think it gets done before training camp, probably right before training camp. There's just a lot to work through here because it's like. You're trying to manage adding a huge Rogers contract on the books and spreading that money around. You have a lot of young guys that are going to want to be paid in the next two or three years. So it's figuring it out. But Quinn and Williams, in my mind, is, is definitely the long-term plans. I don't see, I think there's another, there's another question that was uh, uh, from at Jared L1021. What would be your reaction if it wasn't, if it just wasn't in JD's philosophy to pay a DT 24 plus million and Q gets traded for three first round picks. I don't, I don't think you'd get three first round picks, but I think this is more realistic of a possibility than Jets fans want to believe. I just don't see him. Tra- I just don't see that happening. The Jets are just in a different. If they were, they didn't have Rodgers, and it wasn't a win now team. I could see the argument for maybe trading Quinnen, but at this point, it's like, so you could. Tra- it's like the uh, the Family Guy meme where it's like, okay, you could have. The, I forget exactly what it is, but it's like you could have this, you know, brand new car, or you could have the mystery box. And it's like choosing the mystery box. That's what draft picks are, and it's like if you've hit gold at an incredibly important position, especially for this defense, you don't move on from it. He's young. He's homegrown. He'll get paid. It's just a matter of, uh, of when, uh, I guess we'll, we'll keep right, it. I, I agree. And, uh, I, I guess quickly, just in that first part in terms of, um, you know, should, should they bet on him to, or 
should they see if he can continue what he did this past season uh, before paying him? I, I just don't think the Jets have any sort of leverage to do that because, I mean, you just look at some of the other defensive tackles that got paid. One of them, Deron Payne from the Commanders, he just had a breakout season after you know, he had 11 and a half sacks this year. Before that, uh, he only had four and a half the previous year, and he got four years, 90 million. So, uh, well, okay, there's, the Commanders there's paying, just no, there's just, the commander's paying right, a defensive yeah. tackle a lot of money. Maybe isn't the, uh, the, well, no, I'm the just best saying, strategy like to follow after uh, Albert because, Hainsworth. No, because of that precedent, I'm saying the Jets can't you know, do that when Quinnen right. could just argue, okay, these other guys had one great year and they got paid. So, right. uh, yeah, I was just saying that. But And I don't think – this is the first time he played up to being a number three pick for a whole season, I think. Right. But he had That's stretches true. over those – first or over the second his second and third seasons right he had stretches where he was playing at this level but he he had injuries he couldn't sustain it for the whole year so I wouldn't say it was like he was a you know a nothing for three years and then he had the season he had plenty of streaks that were as good as this season it was just this, this was the first time he did it for a whole entire year so I don't I'm not too concerned about him continuing it and he's so young you know, he was a young rookie he's still 25 25 yeah. So he's barely older than Will McDonald. He really. doesn't even turn so, 26 till December. Yeah, he's right. So he's he's in good shape to keep it going. I have no concerns about. Will he get 12 sacks every single year? Probably not. But the consistent dominance. Will he have some more 12 sack seasons in the future? Probably. But uh, yeah. And I don't just think there's any concern imagine, about him imagine, keeping going. Imagine what he's going to do for these edge rushers too. Right. And that was that was kind of the thing. Is his first two seasons? It's like, okay, yeah, Quinnen can get some pressure up the middle, but. If nobody else is closing, that interior pressure isn't as effective. It can collapse the pocket, but if the QB can bail, it doesn't matter as much. But if you compare, if you combine a dominant interior presence with edge rushing talent, you, you saw the Rams with with Aaron Donald and Von Miller. The Jets could lead the league in sacks. I really do. And th- there's a question about that later. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, from at Buttons Joyce, uh, if you forget about the QB position, is this team considerably better than last year? And if not, is the huge and then parentheses expected jumping QB play enough to compete for a deep playoff run. Yes. To the second part, first part, I guess we can break it down. I mean, you can't throw out the QB because the jets are the most improved team in football. In my eyes, just because they go from league worst quarterback play to hall of fame caliber quarterback play. So from that alone, the jets in my eyes are the most improved team without quarterback, Michael, what do you think? I mean, let's go through the roster a little bit. I mean, offensive line, Seems upgraded to me, especially considering they're going to be healthier receivers. I mean, let's let's run through it. What, what are your thoughts on it? And then we can uh, we can maybe yeah. go through some some uh, some position groups. Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, the biggest point is the one you just made. The rest of it hardly even matters when you make that big of an upgrade at the most important position. So uh, there there is a debate to be had with the rest of it, which we'll get into right now. But you can't overstate how big that is just to do what the Jets did at quarterback how many wins that adds I think there's an article actually and um, I think it was SNY they had an article kind of breaking down the whole process of how the Jets were they had a tier list of the quarterback options this offseason and they they projected that Rodgers would add five wins to this team <laughs> on his own which, which they viewed as by far the most of any yeah. quarterback option so looking at it that way you put five to the seven they had last year they think he alone makes them a 12-win team. So that's perfect as it is. But um, the rest of the roster, I guess, the way the question has it worded is, is the team considerably better than last year looking at the rest of the roster? 
to say considerably considerably better, I don't think you could say that, but there are positions where they could be offensive lines a lot better. It, it there's there are just so many injuries is a huge part of it. Yeah. There are so many, you know, things we have to see how they play out before you could say that it that it's going to be better because I don't think there are a lot of this is the way I'd put it. I don't think there are many positions on the team that are clearly better on paper, but there are many positions that could be better if certain things play out right. correctly. That's, that's and a lot of that is because of the youth on this team and the potential of guys to take second year leaps, third Rogers year leaps. elevating them. Oh, that's, that was the next point I was going to get to. The quarterback can do so much for the development of the players around him, especially the offensive line. I mean, the Jets offensive line has been bad in recent years. No one, We'll debate that, but it changes so much when you're blocking with, you know, a veteran Hall of Fame quarterback who manages the offense of the line of scrimmage compared to all these young lost rookies like Darnold, Zach Wilson. And then even when they're not in there, it's just a revolving door of different backups and there's just no camaraderie or chemistry or anything. But um, now you put Rodgers back there can change so much for the chemistry between all the guys out there. So, um, yeah, I would say on paper, it's fair to say the team's not all that different, but I don't know if it needs to be because you look at last year's team and what did we say all year? They would have won this game with average quarterback play. They would have won this game with average quarterback play. Now they have that and then some. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if the team's all that much better outside of Rodgers. It could be. It could not be. But I don't think it necessarily has to be for them to compete. Is there any position they're worse at? Uh, I guess... You could say well, for safety, safety, but but I don't think not, it's not, not that it's worse. I just think it, it was bad and it hasn't gotten better. Is it's got Chuck concern. Clark? Chuck Clark's a big upgrade. He could be an upgrade over Jordan Whitehead. I think so. It's just a lack of a free safety. Like right. who's going to play that role? I I believe in Tony Adams, but uh, still a complete unknown and question mark. I think the interior D line could be worse, but I like <laughs> the way they filled it out. How Woods? Quentin it could Jefferson. be. I, I I like the way they filled it out, but it's you know are they going to make the rotation changes they need to make sure those guys are playing in the right situations? Because um, Rankins is a big loss. He had a very good year last year, right. and they're going to try to make up for him. Instead of getting one guy to replace him, they try they kind of try to split the difference. Woods is the run defense guy. Quinton is the pass rushing guy. Can they be able and- to find a balance with those snaps? Yeah, like you could you could have said the defensive line got a little bit worse, but then yeah, I, I love how they filled uh, the interior of the defensive line with those those Seahawks vets, and then they drafted Will McDonald in the first round, so yeah. they're incredibly deep on that line. Losing Rankins hurts, yeah, but I think you can replicate his. Produ- also, Rankins wasn't that good in twenty twenty one; had a good year and a great right. So it wasn't here. even guaranteed that he was right. going to play the same level again. I guess you could say running back could be worse depending on Brees' health. There's a chance of that. Yeah, I guess that's true. But at this point, last year, with all those rookies being unknowns, and it's like you got Brees, you got Carter, you not, you know, Zonovan Knight actually can contribute. You got Israel Bonacanda. I mean, it's just like they're deep all over. I I don't know what position group I'm. I guess linebacker and safety are the two that that'll get the most uh, criticism. But they got young athletes there. Guys, they've been, they've been developing for a few years, and the backbone of this defense is is the defensive line in the corners. So, um, with that, oh, also, I guess here's where you could say they did get considerably better, punter. 
Yes. Morstead from man is a big upgrade in field position. That does matter. I know don't, that sounds like don't a sleep joke. on that at all. They lost a game because of the those punting. are just that and just the field position. Those are first down and the that... Detroit game you could throw in. Exactly. So and potentially it's like... two games they lost because of punting. And it's like with better field position, you're forcing teams to get more first downs on this defense. You know, it's like the difference of, of those 10 yards and those punts is it's three downs. It's another opportunity for the Jets to get off the field. So I would say quarterback aside, I think this team has gotten better, considerably better. Maybe not. But when you factor in injuries too, like the guy's going to get back. I don't know. It should trend better. I mean, we say, I feel like we say this every year and the Jets just get the worst luck anyway. But That's true. That's true. They did get they did get good to injury have some luck. Good luck. They did get some good injury luck on defense last year. So yes. that could fall off. Defense was lucky last year. So that is something to look out for. Um, um but offensively they it was you know the, the inverse. It was as bad as it could get. So hopefully, especially on the offensive line, it could be more stable this year. All right, for Matt Aiden Quigley, seventeen. How do you guys feel about the Moore trade now that uh we know it was basically Elijah Moore for Joe Tipman? You got you got to throw in who did they, they took uh, Cedric Tillman right the Browns did the receiver let me look at it. I think that was with the Jets pick uh, yeah I did yes check okay out. Uh, yeah I mean so it's Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman for Joe Tipman I mean I I I feel uh, at the time and getting the number eight for Rogers that's true that is a big part of the deal yeah we get college number that's true without that we were gonna have to either see him steal Namus number or some completely random number on Rodgers. So that's that's a big part of that trade. Uh I I I mean I feel great about the move. I I love if they had taken somebody with that that second round pick that uh I didn't like as much as Tipman, I think you know you could argue the value on this more trade maybe wasn't there, but considering the Jets are going to have to go up the second round pick to get Rodgers, they really liked that area of the class. They were able to get a a really good interior offensive lineman, a guy who can start day one. I think a great center would have a bigger impact than what Elijah Moore was going to do this season. But again, before he was traded, I was getting pretty hyped up to see Elijah with an elite quarterback. So he'll do well in Cleveland, but I think Joe Tittman's going to be the jet center for, you know, five, 10 years. I think he's that good of a prospect. So it's a, it's a win. As long as Joe Tittman's good, Jets landed Aaron Rodgers. that trade's still, still a win. How do you feel? Yeah, I think landing Tittman definitely makes this trade feel worthwhile because he's a player who projects to plug right in as a week one starter and has a good chance of starting for a long time. It, it would maybe be different if they drafted more of a developmental player who is harder to project what he might do, but because they got Titman, who seems like a clear starter, it's a, it's a trade you could feel good about. Um, I still was very optimistic about more and wanted to see how he would perform with Rogers, but uh, to get Titman, and I think that trade definitely helped facilitate the Rodgers deal, being able to have that extra second-round pick, gave them the comfort to be able to give up one of them and still have another one to fall back on. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's it's still not a trade. I'm going to sit here and say it was made another classic Joe Douglas robbery because no. I like Elijah Moore a lot, and we'll see what he does in Cleveland. It, it was not a cheap price to give up a player like that who showed so much talent but just couldn't get the opportunity to translate it into production because of um, all the bad quarterbacking. And I guess you could throw in the coordinator as well. So um, yeah, not a, not a home run trade by any means, but to landing Titman with that pick definitely makes it feel like a a good, even deal with, with the context of what happened last year too, and the whole locker room blow up 
And I think, you know, that that is a big part of, I think, why the Jets made this move is it's like, look, if Elijah Moore's here, he proved that even if the Jets are winning, if, if he's not getting the ball, he's not going to be happy. So it's like if he's here and Rodgers is favoring Randall Cobb or Alan Lazard or Corey Davis, Garrett, Will, and Moore was getting lost in the shuffle, maybe he blows up again. I mean, so I, I think uh, that is a, a big reason why maybe the Jets didn't get the value I mean, they did get a second round pick, but having to give up that third, I mean, we'll see what that, who that player turns out to be um, in terms of as an NFL player. But uh, overall, I think getting Tipman makes this, this move look a lot better. All right. From Matt Ellie Hecht, it could be a silent T. It could be Ellie Heck. I don't know. We'll see from uh, very few people are talking about the Tom Brady effect, namely that when vets get cut in camp, they might be tempted to sign vet minimum deals for a shot at the Super Bowl with Rogers might Joe might be Joe's plan for linebacker and safety. I mean, I think you've seen this week they've they've certainly signed uh, quite a few veterans that are maybe taking cheaper than what they could have gotten elsewhere to, to win a Super Bowl. It wouldn't surprise me if, if somebody gets cut and, and signs with the Jets in training camp. A little bit too hard to predict nowadays. Uh, but I will say I don't think linebacker and safety is as dire as, as the fans think um, because because this defense is so predicated on, on getting pressure with four and having, you know, what we saw last year, dominant cor- uh, corner play. Linebackers and safeties, you just need athletes that can tackle, smart play rec. You got Mosley. We'll see how Quincy keeps developing. I like you said, I believe in Tony Adams. I don't I don't think they're gonna sign anybody that's that's gonna come in and start immediately. Maybe somebody shakes free at safety if the if the if in training camp Adams isn't living up to to uh to his hype. Maybe. But uh, do, do you see any 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 big vets shaking free that the Jets would tr- try to slide in? I, mean, I don't know where they're getting this money from at this point. I mean, the only thing is that linebacker, there's still the possibility of Quan re-signing at some point. Yeah, that's point, true. Yeah. Which hopefully they can get done. Um, at safety, I, as much as we want to see it, it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. There hasn't really been any indication of them being interested because there were plenty of guys uh, in on the free agent market at the start of the, uh, at, at the start of the off season that kind of fit this bill of what you thought the Jets would target, like a cheap veteran safety one year, who could just come in and give you experience and reliable traits and stuff like that. And they let most of those guys go off the board. Even recently, Rodney McLeod signed, who was another one of those guys. And at this point, pretty much John Johnson is out there. Other than that, there's not really, I think Adrian Amos is still available, but he's been pretty bad in recent years. So another friend of Rogers. Yeah. Another former teammate, but, um, they, they really ignored the market, it feels like. It seems like if they were going to do it, it would have been done already. And they did make the Chuck Clark trade, although, as we know, he's kind of redundant to Whitehead. They're both yeah, well, how, more how do you see him, de- how do you see him deploying him? Because Whitehead's at minicamp, and like it's still possible he could get cut, but I think we all assumed he was going to Yeah, gonna and that's odd, too. Like We thought Whitehead was going to get cut for savings, and, and this was another question kind of related to cutting some of those veteran guys, so we'll yeah, wait, hold on. address I'll, that later. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it in now. Why not? Uh, okay, yeah. If I can find it. Uh, oh, it, it wasn't even a question. It was it was more of an observation from at two words, uh, zero eight. The decision to keep Lawson, Davis, Whitehead, etc. is due to to due to optionally. Wait, I, I think he I think he missed. But he's basically saying um, keeping Lawson, Davis, Whitehead uh, helps the Jets potentially generate high day three comp picks in 2025. And that's true. The Jets have never right. been in that cycle that, that winning teams are in because they're always signing so many free agents because the free agents they do sign often don't finish out their contracts. Um, the Jets are going to be able to enter that cycle 
pretty soon here um, and, and getting comp pick. So keeping Lawson Davis Whitehead, I still think there's a chance that that Whitehead isn't on the team come 2023. Uh, well, come week one. Um, I, I think that that is a, that's a smart play. I mean, they, they are high on Whitehead. I mean, I guess you can't read too much into to what Sala says in the pressers, but the way that they do talk about him, they talk about a high football IQ player that, that really buys into that all gas, no break mentality. And I will say, in terms of the Jets' first down run defense, if they deploy that look with Whitehead and Clark as the safeties, which you might lose a little bit of the, uh, because like you said, they're not neither of them are really a talented free safety that can play that center of the field. I think out of the two of them, Whitehead is probably better suited to do it. Maybe, maybe they do see Whitehead as the free safety of of this uh, this defense, and then I hope not. Frankly, they might. Who knows? Because Just look at that Jalen Rager play against the Vikings. <sighs> That's true. But it's like but I, think, I don't know how they're going to do this. Well, because, they could. I think they might use a lot of yeah. Chuck Clark sub linebacker packages on third down, and then maybe Whitehead slides into just that strong safety role, and you have uh, Tony Adams play the, the free safety. I mean, I think you're going to see the three of them if Whitehead is on the team, rotated around and playing a lot of that that big nickel look. I, I'm fascinated to see what they do, considering I thought it was a foregone conclusion they were getting rid of, rid of Whitehead as soon as they traded for Clark. I was like, all right, I'll expect the Whitehead is cut tweet any moment. But here he is. He's out. He's out on the practice field. It seems like he's here. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated. There's a chance we could see uh, – you mentioned big nickel. There's an opportunity we could see a lot of that, especially with the linebacker questions right now. They haven't That's re-signed true. Quan. And I think they hope one of those young guys step up into Quan's role if, if they don't re-sign him, um, whether that's Sherwood, Hamza, Barnes. I think they do hope one of those guys can just step up and do what Quan did because they've drafted all these guys and – they believe in their ability to develop these athletes at linebacker. So I think they do hope that, but if not, I think we could see maybe one of these box safeties take up essentially some of those linebacker snaps yeah. um, and instead of playing, you know, some of those take some of those base four, three snaps with three linebackers, instead of putting a linebacker in, put in a safety. And I think they maybe trust Whitehead or Clark in the box, stopping the run and, if you trust them in that role, then they also give you a little more coverage ability and range than a linebacker yeah. would give the, you in that role. So the that Jets, could be in the plans. The, the Jets could cut Whitehead, take some of that money, throw it at Quan, keep the savings, which could still absolutely happen. But I like the – I do think when you're talking about it, going with that big nickel look, it does line up with the way the NFL is moving. More mobile quarterbacks. I mean, you had that tweet last year about the Jets finally have their Josh Allen stopper and, uh, and Whitehead. Clark is terrific against mobile QBs as well. And so it's like getting lighter. You have a dominant defensive line. It, it's not. It's not the worst thing in the world. I am curious to see if. If I'll, here's my prediction: If Whitehead's here, I don't think Quan's here. Is that crazy? I think, I think Quan's. I think. Fair. I think Quan's only here if you cut Whitehead because, like you said, it's like, what is the point of having two box safeties and a veteran linebacker on top of of the young guys you have? It's like Quan could maybe come in mid season if if something goes on. But I love Quan, but. I don't know. It sounds like uh, we'll see. We'll see. I guess he could sign this summer at some point. I just don't know where they're getting the money from. It seems like it seems like a foregone conclusion that at least at least two of the three we thought of Whitehead, Lawson, and, and Davis were going to be cut. Potentially all three, and here we are, all three still on the team, which I don't think I would have expected uh, at the beginning of the off season. Um, I mean, I with that's... safety, the only thing I feel confident won't happen is that. Clark and Whitehead are going to start together because I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe they do it, but just considering the skill sets of those two guys, it both of them deep coverage is their 
weakest ability. So to start them together, I mean, it would but on be first down run situations, a huge risk. I mean, they could occasionally the play together. You got the corners. I just think they believe in Tony Adams. Yeah, I, it, it, it's a stretch. Kind of, I w- would say a stretch, but um, it might be a stretch to say that they believe in him right now. Look pretty just good because he's only played a couple games. But I mean, he made the roster as an undrafted free agent last year. They kept him on the roster throughout the year, playing special teams, occasional defense. He was the first man up at free safety when Joyner went down over Ashton Davis, who was a third round pick. And that's true. We haven't talked about Ashton. Years ago. <laughs> and maybe he's in the mix. Probably not. <laughs> um, I mean, Adams played really well when he's at free safety at the end last year. He showed a lot of range. He tackled well in the open field. And his deep coverage was, it was solid. He was passing off routes effectively. He was in the spots he needed to be, knew his coverage assignments, and he didn't even get targeted because he was doing what he was supposed to, navigating everything really well. So I think they just liked what he showed, and they like Adams, and maybe they believe in him. That doesn't mean they're going to hand it to him because we know that they don't hand spots to players, uh, as we talked about. But um, I think they have faith in him. I could be wrong on that, but uh, I do. if I were to predict it right now, I think he's going to be the starting Week one free safety. Well, at Jared L ten twenty one says, "Do you really think Tony Adams can slash is going to be the Jets starting free safety?" To me, there is no way you can start him in a Super Bowl contending season. Look, they see these guys every day in practice. I mean, look, they, not that Pinnock is a, is a world beater, but they did cut a Joe Douglas draft pick to keep Adams on this team. You hear solid talk about him. He has a history of of developing these day three or undrafted free agents, especially in the secondary. You look at San Francisco, you know. Back in uh, when Salah was, you know, had that elite defense in 2019, it's like, okay, you had Richard Sherman, but then you look at the rest of that that DB room, which is part of the reason I think we all assumed that the Jets maybe wouldn't invest as heavily in corner when, when Salah came in here because he was able to win with pretty much anybody back there. I think, you know, the Jets in years past have gone into every season with a lot of guys like Tony Adams trying to project them into starting roles. This season – they have one position where that could happen and it's safety. I think out of all the positions, that is maybe the position that the jets can get away with it at um, because of the cornerback talent that they have. You know, you know that when the ball is thrown deep downfield and sauces and coverage that nine times out of 10, maybe, I mean, according to last year, 10 times out of 10, he's going to break that shit up. So free safety isn't as important of a, of a position to invest money into, but they have a talented young guy that they like. I could see him developing. I, I think, I think there's definitely a chance, like you said, that he is the weak one starting safety to me i'm just fascinated to see how they deploy clark and whitehead um there was another question about safety so we'll just knock them all out from at way out here 18 do you think they could move bryce hall to free safety hall's a good player and it would address a need and he's inactive on game day anyway i just don't see this happening i mean i did didn't he play some safety in in, or in college I believe so. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if he did i also don't know if he has the speed he doesn't no safety. He, I, no, I, I don't. I don't see it happening. I, I think the only way that something like that would happen, I think, out of all of their uh, corner options, like if, if free safety is really a train wreck and they're getting hit with injuries in the season, I could see maybe Eccles sliding back there. I, I just Hall to me doesn't seem like a safety. Seems like a, he seems like a good zone corner in the system who's slow and can get beat over the top. So I don't know how that really helps him as a, as a safety. I mean, especially since the Jets are lacking that that deep center fielder. They want athleticism there, and I just don't think Bryce Hall brings right. that. Yeah, and in terms of the last question and you know being afraid of Adams being the week one starting safety, it is a, a legitimate concern. You know, undrafted free agent last year, 
it essentially played two games of free safety. It does feel risky going into a hopeful Super Bowl contending season, but ultimately you there are, has to be some position where you bet on your own talent and your developmental ability. You can't realistically fill every single position on your depth chart with uh, you know, a player you feel good about. I mean, look at last year's Chiefs team that won the Super Bowl. They were the second youngest team in the league in terms of um, the average age of their players weighted by the snaps that they played. They had a lot of young guys, and it you have to be able to sometimes cut corners at some positions. If you want to you know, pay your quarterback, pay your star defensive tackle, and invest in all these premium positions, sometimes at other spots you have to go young, bet on your coaching, and bet on your development. And I think the Jets at linebacker and safety feel good about their ability to do that because of Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbricht. They were linebackers coaches coming up through the ranks, and they had a lot of success with that. Um, Sala coached Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Ulbricht, Eric Hendricks, Deion Jones. So they're confident in the linebackers. And then at, um, as their DB coach, they have Tony Oden, and he's been very successful as well. So I think they're confident in their ability to develop those positions. And they're also probably less premium positions compared to cornerback, um, defensive tackle, edge rusher, offensive line. Those are the positions the Jets have invested in heavily, and those are the ones that are considered more premium and more important for winning games and being a Super Bowl contender, and and obviously quarterback, which they made a big strike at this offseason. And they also invest in Zach Wilson. So I think they're investing in the premium positions first and foremost and betting on their developmental ability at the – you know, perceived less important positions. And I think free safety is just a position that didn't fall their way this year in terms of the free agent board, the draft. And I think they are just going to count on their ability to develop there. So it would be good to just see some veteran security. Like a, I mentioned John Johnson before, someone like that to Did just I, be able to Where are they getting on. the money? But, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, Rogers cap hit this year is what is it? It's one, only like he has one mil- a million, right? I wonder, I don't think any numbers have really come out about a full restructure. It did sound like he was going to maybe take a pay cut. That's what Connor Hughes was saying. But his cap hit for next year is like $140 million, which obviously won't be the case. Um, but I, I am interested to see if they announce a restructure this offseason. Or is it one of those things where they're just going to keep kicking the can down the road, play it year by year? Um, but there's just no chance that – I guess I guess you're right. That I guess because his cap hit's only $1 million, they they can – they can make a few more moves. All right, well, here's our last question about free safety and linebacker. Um, for Matt Foto, what do you think this is? F-O-D-O-V-A-C-E-R. Photo Vaser? Yeah? Photo Vaser? Okay, whatever. What are, the optimistic, what are the optimistic outcomes for some of our weaker positions? He put in parentheses, free safety, linebacker, based on current players still on the team. Uh, I think, I, you know, if we're going more projection-based, I think seeing Jamie and Sherwood really fill into to a role this season would be – something I'd be really intrigued to see because I think Mosley, the Jets are in a win-now mode, and it's like if, if Rodgers takes him on a deep playoff run and then he comes back, I would imagine Mosley might keep sticking around even if his athleticism isn't where it used to be. But I think Sherwood is kind of the guy they've had in the wings under Mosley for, for a few years now. I'm imagining you're going to see him, especially if the Jets don't bring Quan back. Injuries will happen. They, we got to see him a little bit last year against the Bills, and I liked what, I liked what we saw. I mean, he – between him and Hamza, he looks certainly more like a linebacker. Hamza, to me, is still – we'll see what he looks like this offseason, but 
Sherwood has the size and the length of a linebacker. I mean, he does have that Tremaine Edmonds build of, of being an avatar. He has the coverage ability from being a safety. We'll see how it translates. We haven't, we haven't seen him have to cover too much as a linebacker outside of, of preseason, but he's a guy that I keep my, my eye on in terms of uh, looking at the roster, the weaker position, who are some young guys who could maybe you know, break out. And I think Sherwood is, is a guy that, that I'm intrigued by. What about you? What are, what are some of your thoughts, your optimistic outcomes for some of these, these weaker positions? We can expand it past free safety and linebacker, but who are you keeping your eye out for? Right. I think a linebacker, an optimistic outcome definitely would revolve around one of those young linebackers developing and stepping up into the role that Quan was playing last year as that sub linebacker playing about half the snaps on the outside, key edge setter, key covering the flats and coverage. And I think Sherwood projects well into that. He had some good reps against the Bills last year as a tackler, coming downhill, making stops, and he has that safety experience, which can help him in coverage. Um, Sherwood didn't have the greatest athletic testing uh, when he was coming out, even even if you project him to playing linebacker. So, I mean, his athletic upside might not be the greatest, but I think he's shown a lot in terms of intangibles to the Jets. I think that's why they valued him so much. So but his athletic upside at, at linebacker is a little different than safety. Well, the, that's the thing. Like, even if you project his oh, numbers I see, to sorry, linebacker, I, I saying, my bad. They, were, they would still only be about average. So, uh, like, his 40 time was 476 at 216. So, he didn't have the greatest athleticism. Does it factor but, in the length, Michael? The length is key. He, he does have the length. I have his thing Flip pulled it. up right now. 34 inches. So Damn. that's a plus for sure. Especially, I mean, that does help in coverage as you're trying to break up passes and stuff. So, um, but I think he's the most likely. Barnes is a rookie. I think he'll mostly be on special teams. Hamza hasn't really shown anything. I don't think he's done any defense yet. Yeah, I mean. Has, has he, he been on special teams? He's been okay. I've noticed him on special teams make some stops uh, defense. He hasn't really played obviously. So I think Sherwood is most likely um, then. I mean, free safety. We've already talked about that a lo- quite a bit. I think Tony Adams has a chance to prove he deserves that week one starting job. And I think he has shown the potential to be a good player there. Um, so that would be linebacker and free safety. Are, are there any other positions? Yeah, you I, would talk say, about optimistic I would say optimistic outcomes. I would say tight end, which I don't think is a weak position on the roster. Uh, but I think you're going to get a lot more of these veteran tight ends with Rodgers uh, as opposed to Zach Wilson's surprise. Uh, I think Conklin and Uzama showed last year that they can be an effective tight end duo. Zach Wilson, for whatever reason, didn't really rely on them as much. I think some of the blame can go to Michael Floor and the way that he was using them. But maybe a guy like Jeremy Ruckert making more of an impact. I mean, he is a third-round pick. His blocking in the, the last week of the season and, and in college has been superb. I wonder to see uh, – I'm curious to see how they deploy him. Uh, it sounds like Hackett uh, might employ a fullback. They do have Bodden on the roster. I'd like to see some more Ruckert um, reps in the backfield. I think, you know, especially on the goal line, having him be the lead blocker there. I mean, I don't know. I think the tight ends are in, are in store for, for a big boom in production, um, considering the Jets are have these big receivers. They have Brees Hall. They're going to want to play that 12 personnel. You got a veteran quarterback. Defenses can't cover all these guys, and so you're going to leave linebackers and, and weaker safeties on Tyler Conklin, on CJ Uzama. Maybe Zach Koontz plays a little bit with that 6-7 frame. But uh, I think uh, I think optimistically, uh, tight ends a position that can make a real impact um, for this team. And, Jesus, when was the last time they even – I mean, I guess Keller. 
Maybe rookie yeah, year Chris probably. Herndon was the last effective tight end in those last four games. But uh, the Jets have not had an effective tight end since they were in the playoffs, and I think you're going to see that change. Uh, this I season. like that you brought up tight end. I, I'm going to hop in with an optimistic projection for oh, that. Yeah? You mentioned Ruckert, but I think I'm going to maybe one-up what you said. I think there's a chance he could overtake Uzama for yeah. that second tight end spot. Yeah, I mean, maybe blocking. that wouldn't be totally optimistic because they're paying Uzama decent money, and it would be a waste. But um, I think you would much rather see the younger guy step up, take that role, um, and prove he could be a long-term answer. I think there's a chance for that because Uzama last year, and this is an inside joke. I've sent you this DM a million times. Oh, my God. But Uzama was sneaky terrible as a blocker last year. It, <laughs> Michael, didn't really... not, completely seriously, Michael sent me that like maybe seven or eight different times over the course of a few months. <laughs> like, completely serious, like didn't realize that he just kept – and I was like, Michael, I know. You've made that point. He's not, it's not sneaky anymore. It's very obvious. And now, I, now I, anytime – I, I, I watched a, yeah, go ahead. Now anytime you just you just hit me with a random. If I'm not responding, you'll just hit me with a random. Now it's just it's a complete, you know, has no point whatsoever. But yeah, I mean, I watched the run blocking film pretty closely this year and I charted a lot of it. Like who's giving up the stuffed runs? Who's assisting on the good runs? And Uzama was not good. Conklin was pretty consistent. I actually liked what he did. But Uzama, I mean, a lot of ducking his head, lunging into blocks and he was at fault for a lot of the run game struggles, and it's something yeah. that doesn't get talked about a lot. So you look at that, and then you look at what Rucker did when he got his chance in the last game of the season, and he was just an animal against that <laughs> Miami defense with you know not not just good consistent blocking, but really really good reps. I mean, popping off the screen, yeah, just in the backfield filling in the hole. Sometimes he would sift across the line and get out in space, and he was just manhandling people. So. It was really impressive, and you know it, it wasn't your typical end-of-season game where it doesn't matter. The Dolphins were playing for their playoff lives. So, um, yeah, he looked really impressive, and I think there's a chance that maybe he proves enough to the Jets to where Uzama's kind of phased out and Rucker takes over as that number two guy because I think Conklin's going to get most of those tight end targets. Yeah. Deservedly so. De- deservedly so. And he's another guy who could have a breakout year with Rodgers. Rodgers has had some big touchdown seasons to tight ends before um Jermichael Finley Robert Tunyon a couple years ago um so there are some examples of that I think Conklin will take those targets but the second tight end spot the way Uzama played it last year was mostly blocking with occasional targets and in that role I think Ruckert has the potential to be better than Uzama was last year the only thing is with Uzama is I feel like one of the things that he is great at that I think Rogers is going to love is those little PA leak routes where he just kind of sifts yeah. under the weak side of the defense and I mean you saw I mean Chris Trevler threw up that duck against the Jaguars uh obviously Zach Wilson had his his uh, two touchdowns against the Lions to, to Uzama I think Uzama brings I mean, maybe not as much last year, but that that yak ability, maybe more so than the other right, tight ends definitely. because he's yeah. so big. Um, and because there's just so many other weapons, they're going to find creative ways to to use him. I think if, if Rucker can develop as, as a receiver, I think you'll definitely see him overtake Uzama because the blocking is, is so much better. Um, but because of what Uzama is going to bring you as, as a receiver and that yak ability and Rogers having that veteran connection, I mean, you saw what Uzama was able to do in Cincinnati in that playoff run with an elite quarterback and other weapons. So I, I think I'm a little higher on Uzama than you are, but I agree. He is a sneaky, terrible run block. I'll, I'll finally admit that. Uh, for no, Matt, no, that, that, that is true quickly. Yeah. What you brought up about his receiving, like I'll give him credit for that. He didn't get targeted a lot last year, but when he did, he really did 
capitalize on those opportunities. He had some great catches, the two against the Lions, um, against the Jaguars. Him, him and Rogers are already hanging out. I mean, seems yeah, like so the friendship that is chemistry. Bunny. But yeah. um, that terrible throw against the Jaguars um, by Strevler, where he had to come back and dive to it, that should have been a okay. touchdown. In, but in, fairness, made... in fairness to Strevler, that was the game I, I got to go on the field after after the game. And not like I have a cannon or anything, but I was trying to throw the ball in those conditions, and it's like I think I could maybe get it 15 yards. Just the, the, You threw it up there, and the wind just took it straight into the ground. Ball's wet. I mean, like uh, – He was – he had no he was wide whatsoever. Open. He was just standing there, and there was no one near you. <laughs> that was, I don't care about the wind. That was terrible. No, I'm but, telling and, you, and, on, it, on the field, it was like, holy shit, okay, now yeah. I see what Zach Wilson's talking about. Well, that's true. <laughs> but, I mean – the point is with Uzama, he did make the most of his opportunities as a receiver. And it is because of the things you're saying. Like he has the size, he has great speed. When he does get targeted, he has a big catch radius. And when he has the ball in his hands, he is a great yak guy. He's much better at yak than Conklin, I would say. Um, he's just, he's fast and he's a big body and he could drag defenders. So he is good in those areas. And I could see the, the Jets, you know, getting him on some of those drags and those crossers. And making the most out of his yak now that they've Rodgers. And I think they'll be able to, you know, demand respect down the field and open up the underneath a little bit. So I do see that potential for Uzama to be more productive as a receiver because when he does get his chances, he capitalized on them last year. Uh, but what he struggles with is he doesn't really get himself open with route yeah. running. It's just, you know, when he's schemed open, he's a great weapon. It's just, that's the difference between him and Conklin. Conklin's a great route runner and he could create opportunities for himself. Uzama doesn't do that. So that's where I think Ruckert has the chance to uh, usurp Uzama. So if Ruckert can develop his route running and prove I'm a guy who could beat linebackers, beat safeties and um, create throwing windows and not just benefit when I'm schemed open, that's how he's going to get ahead of Uzama. I don't think he's going to be a better yak guy because Yuzama is really good in that area. I do give him credit for that. Um, and obviously the size is special that he has as well. So Ruckert can't overtake him in those spots, but if he can be a better route runner and you couple that with the blocking, I think we'll see a lot of Ruckert this year over Yuzama. All right, from at Jack Nadal98335, let's say the Jets play six primetime games. What would be your most anticipated matchups and when? The schedule comes out next week, so maybe we can uh, we can dive that in. Maybe some predictions coming up. Uh, also, are we at all worried about how Rogers will look with the Darnold long sleeves and the Flacco bowling ball helmet? That's that's a true <laughs> fan of the podcast right there. I think the long sleeves that's will look up better. A rally. That that's is, the type of content. You can we break do. that shit down, right? Now. Okay, he doesn't have the same bowling ball helmet as Flacco. He wears that. Uh, what's it called again? It's like the. Hold on, it's uh, it's like a sh- shut Air XP Q11. I totally just I, I wouldn't know off. that. Top of my head, I totally didn't just look it up. It looks a little different. It's not. It's not as bulbous as as Flacco's. But you know he can. You know he can wear watermelon on his head for all I care. I just need him to keep that that brain healthy. No concussions. Don't miss any time. He can. He can wear the bulbous helmet. I think the the sleeves with an, a distinguished veteran quarterback with the single digit. That's a big part. The, the stripes won't be as uh, wavy as they got with with Darnold. I think the the single right. digit the contrail holds a little bit better. I think I'm not worried about that. We talked about it. Now that he's wearing eight. Very confident that he's going to go for for a huge right. season. If he was wearing completely random number, I don't know how I'd feel about it. Uh, but six no, we prime... talked we talked about this before the trade, like when it was still Carr versus Rogers. I was like, I don't know, Carr looks a lot better in these edits than Rogers does. But the difference now is that Rogers eight. was in that twelve in all those yes. edits. 
I don't think that looks good in this current Jets jersey. The classic 12 on the you know old school Jets jerseys that Namath had, great number. And the and these jerseys with that you know straight line number one it has no rigid points on it. It's just a, just a line. Don't think it looked good. But now that we traded more, got that number eight open for him. It's a nice symmetrical single digit. Big, biggest move of the offseason, actually. Makes it look a lot better. All right, the Jets play six primetime games. Let me hear them. Six. I, it sounds like the Jets are going to play in that ballpark. Who do who do you think the primetime games are? I really hope they open up. Monday Night Football against the Giants, anniversary 9-11. I feel like that could just be – I mean, both teams are on the the up and up. could be a, a great right. way to open up the season. I guess open up on the road, though, isn't as – I mean, well, it's MetLife. For but. me, projecting this, it starts with how many division games do you think are going to be primetime? Because all three have primetime potential. I, think I don't the only... think all three will be. I no. think two will be. But which do you think it will be? I think it will be the Bills and Dolphins. I, you could maybe argue a Thursday Night Football – at New England with Rodgers could be kind of interesting against Belichick. I, that might that does kind of make sense because they do need a Thursday night football game. I could see that. I, to me, uh, the Dolphins game, Jets Dolphins seems like Monday night football easy. Get them down in Miami. Give it give it the uh, the old. I don't know if you were watching back then, but uh, 2009 2010 they they went down to Miami back to back years, kind of early in the season. Monday night football just has a, a nice aesthetic that we haven't seen. We've we've been playing in Miami in December. I want to play in Miami. Nighttime game. That's late true. September, we never early play October. there early in the season. I mean, the, I mean, I imagine the the humidity is. It is probably better to play Miami Week 18 because uh, you don't have to go to Buffalo or, or New England or hell even Jersey. Uh, you get to go to nice sunny Florida the last week of the season. But I want to see the Miami early on in the season Monday Night Football. I think that's just such a fun matchup. And then the same with the, the Bills. I think the Jets will host a primetime game against them. Got the battle for New York City. Uh, that to me seems like a Sunday night game. The other ones that will definitely be prime time in my eyes. Chiefs, too much sense. Yeah. Makes too much sense. Eagles. Because didn't Rodgers miss that uh, yes, Chiefs-Packers game a couple years ago? So that's yeah, the, that one's def- definitely the, prime The time. only thing that could hold that up is I think CBS can protect some games. I think that you're going to see the Jets, even if they only have six primetime games, I think you're going to see the Jets on you know Saturday games at the end of the season. You'll see a lot of those 425 games with Nance and Romo. But in terms yeah, of is, is Nance and Romo doing every single CBS game we have? I think we'll get some Iron Eagle in there. But yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have a, a lot little of, bit. It'll be have... Iron Eagle or Jim Nance for all of them. I don't oh think we're going God. below the B. No more, no more Andrew Catalan D team. Yes. I like Andrew Catalan. He's actually no good. more Jay Feely. He's a good. Well, I'll leave my opinions about Jay Feely aside. But <laughs> the C and D team broadcast. They're great broadcasters. It's just there's something about that big game feel of of Jim Nance, Tony Romo. The whole world's watching. It's going to be yeah. fun. But I would say the Eagles game, definitely a primetime game because it's that AFC, NFC. They try to look for, okay, what matchups are kind of rare that you're not going to get as much. Two big teams, Rodgers against Philly. I think that's going to be a road game in Philly. You're going to get Rodgers getting booed by those fans. That also kind of seems like a Sunday night game. How many Sunday night games do you think they get? Eagles is at home, right? Yeah, Eagles is oh, at home. Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to pick it like uh, you could decide. All right. Well, all right. Well, that still works. I mean, I still think that's a primetime game. I think that's also a Sunday night game. So what do you think? Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Sunday night games? Yeah, I mean. Three? So we are, we're at Bills and Dolphins. Then I'd Eagles, say Dolphins Chiefs. Monday night. Giants Monday night. Yeah, that's Dolphins five. Monday. Cowboys on Thanksgiving? Bills has Sunday night. I think Bills is a Sunday night game, yeah. right? Yeah. Cowboys on Thanksgiving? Chiefs Monday. Chiefs feels like Monday night. Really? What do you think? I don't I, know. I think Sunday night. Mahomes, Rodgers. 
I feel like doesn't. I I just feel like Sunday leans to NFC. You know what? That's I just could, my hunch. I could see it being a, a Thursday night game because now that I think about it, you know the NFL's made that big push with Amazon. Al Michaels is the is the commentator. I think they really want to yeah, have true. better matchups on Thursday night football. What if so, that's the season opening game? Bills or Jets Chiefs to open up yeah. the season. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that. That the Jets really could be. No, we're home again. Oh, we're, oh, we're right, right. Need this. Now we're screwing everything up. <laughs> this is supposed to be our wheelhouse. All the uh, aesthetic stuff, God not the actual it. football. Yeah. Um. I don't all right. Know. So let's let's regroup. Let's let's just first mention the games that will be prime time. Forget forget the day. Let's just pick the games first. Bills, okay. Dolphins, Chiefs, Eagles. Do you have two more? You want to put Giants? Uh, I'll say Giants. Jets and Giants Monday Night Football to open up the season. How about Raiders? That's an underrated. That candidate. seems like maybe a Saturday game towards the end of the season. Cowboys? Yeah, I said Cowboys Thanksgiving. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. So you want to do. I'm going to say Jets yeah. and Giants Monday Night Football to open up the season. I'm not going to predict any other weeks, but I'll say. Um, uh, Jets versus Chiefs Sunday night football or Thursday night football. How about that? Jets versus Bills Sunday night football. That's three. Jets at Dolphins Monday night football. That's four. Jets versus Eagles. What do you Sunday think? Sunday night football? And then I'll say Jets at yeah. Cowboys Thanksgiving. I don't know if I don't know if that game I, will be. I would like to have the Thanksgiving game. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be the night game, but it, it'll be maybe the second game of the day. But that's still prime time. Jets are back on Thanksgiving. Let's go. All right. Um, any other? What, let me see. We have a few other questions here, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, from my iPod Ahmad, do you think any other moves happen at receiver? Probably not. Maybe they, they if they made a big swing, they could maybe try to move Davis and bring in somebody. But I think at this point that the receiver room is. I mean, it's all already said Davis is here. So, no, I don't see any other big moves happening at at receiver. Um, I have a question for you. Where would you rank the Jets' defensive line? Daniel Jeremiah posed it on Twitter, and I threw it in this doc. Eagles, 49ers, Jets, how do you rank them? I mean, maybe there's some other contenders, but... First, I'm going to try. I'm gonna pull up their death charts just so I could be completely, you know, have all my facts in front of me here and not just be speaking randomly. So, San Francisco D-line, uh, D they actually stole from Philly because they got Javon Hargrave. Still of Eric Armstead. Nick Boza's obviously there. Eagles lost um, lost Hargrave, but still Fletcher Cox, who was almost a Jet. Um, they had Jalen Carter, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat. I don't know. The Eagles, I think the Jets have the Eagles beat now that they lost Hargrave. Yeah, Fletcher they, Cox is getting older. Got Jalen Carter. They are mean, very good, though. Those Georgia Bulldogs. Um, I will say the depth is what sets the Jets apart. Yeah. Is there any team that goes eight, nine, ten deep like the Jets do? <laughs> no. Because they've just overloaded it. And that's the thing. You could question long-term. It's a fair question. The asset allocation. You know, is it too much to put these multiple first-round picks into the edge when these guys aren't going to be playing maybe even 50% of the snaps this year? It's a legitimate question. But in terms of winning right now, it is so valuable to have that much depth on your defensive line. Guys are going to be fresh. They're going to be playing in situations that suit their skill sets. It's going to be really dominant to have all that much depth. We'll see long-term. Hopefully Johnson, McDonald get their snaps. They hit their ceilings, and it's worth spending first-round picks on them um, You know, versus players who maybe could have played every snap at another position. But right now, in the moment, it's amazing to have that much depth. 
especially when you rotate like the Jets do. So um, I think the Eagles losing Hargrave puts the Jets above them. I'll keep San Francisco first. All right. I think, I think we can end it here. I have one last question for you, Michael. This is right up our wheelhouse. Let's rate some rookie numbers. You got a lot of hate this week because you were yeah. not a fan of 99. I agree <laughs> that on a thinner guy for McDonald, I would have liked to see maybe agent zero, maybe number nine. Still could happen. But 99 is a pretty elite number. Thin 240-pound guy. That maybe makes him look bigger in the run game. You know? Right. I, that's I, what I'm saying. I what did you, it, what, you gave it like a C. What did you give it again? My initial grade was C-. minus. That's oh my, my initial God. grade. C- minus is like a 53 or something. Like 99 is a sick number for a pass rusher. Oh, look, my initial thought, because they post that graphic, is just a you know PNG clip art picture of the jersey numbers. and then. At first, I saw that, didn't like it. I was thinking that's for the big guys. He needs a single-digit number because he's speedy, he's lanky, he's going to bend around the edge. I want him to look like, um, who's a single-digit edge rusher? Hassan Reddick. That's what I want him to look like. I want him um, at zero. Hassan Reddick had seven. I yeah. thought he looked really good in that. So that's what I liked. Um thought zero would have been great. Or number nine, he had a college. He, he looked great in that himself. So that was my initial thought. But then the videos come out and you actually see him wearing it on the field. I'm like, you know what? That's pretty good. I like the 99. It's, it embodies his speed. He's going 99%. Um, I guess he should got, be going 100%. Yeah, but 99 is the next one. number. I think that... Uh, yeah, when I saw him on the field, I like it better. It's a B plus for me now. Still overall, would prefer the 9 or 0. And again, these these might change, especially you know when cuts happen and... I imagine all the guys, all the single digit numbers will, will fill out as people claim them. You know, like if, if Tim Boyle doesn't make the final roster, he'll probably be on the practice squad. But like that number seven might be up for grabs. Number nine still available. Zero, it seems like Brees Hall might be uh, in the mix for that. But if if not, I could see McDonald switching. I think the rest of the class is actually pretty good. I like sixty six on Tipman, like the the double uh, double sixes. You got Carter Warren in sixty seven wearing that that Damian Woody number. I like that. 25 for a Bonaconda. I mean, I, I wanted 23, but I, I still like it. Um, 81 for Kuntz, great number. I don't know. I like 29 is a great DB number. I mean, ZR Barnes, I think we could have done better than 53, but it's not bad. You know, I overall, I mean, Blake Cashman. God, I remember last year when they when they came out and it was like Brees was in 35 and Sauce was in 20, and it was <laughs> oh, just yeah, oh, I, forgot about God. That. I was like, wow, I guess this draft class is gonna suck. But um, then they all changed. Yeah, so. I like the rest of these numbers. 66 for Tipman. Initially, we were saying 65, I think. So I said 69. One yeah. off with 66. Um, 67 for Warren is pretty good. Just hopefully he's better than Brian Winters. <laughs> um, 25 for Abanaconda. I like that one. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. I like <laughs> Hard-hitting this. analysis right here. Hard-hitting number analysis. All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, you can follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter, myself, Ben W. Blessington. All right, my analysis was pretty hard-hitting for McDonald. I agree. I, I agree. don't think anyone has ever gone that That is true. You were the, making a lot of Twitter videos, too, breaking down practice film. People thought you were being serious. Well, you can follow that. It's Twitter. only, like, semi-serious. It's, it's no, like, it's there a, was the one I did about um, Tipman and Warren. It was just a simple drill of them snapping and, like, taking off the line of scrimmage. And they were just super synchronized. And I was like, look at this. This is amazing for the outside zone. And it, it is somewhat impressive. But I'm mostly joking. Some people thought I was being serious in a good way because well, they were just so excited about what they were watching. 
Well, if you want to see those tweets, you can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. Like that segue. Uh, JetsXFactor.com. I was just going to say, that was, that was excellent. JetsXFactor.com, best place to go for Jets content. Smoother than McDonald's bend around the uh, Look at that. Dude, I got to say, I've been saying it for years. I want my guys in the trenches doing some form of martial arts. I want a, a wrestling background, a judo background. He's got some jujitsu. And you can see it. He's able to, to uh, you know, he doesn't get tied up as much for, for a longer skinny guy as you would think because he knows how to hand fight. He knows how to use his hips. He knows how to distribute his weight. And he's able to get tremendous power from that, that incredibly bendy position, those awkward positions. And that's all... I mean, look, trench warfare in the NFL, it's a martial art of its own. So I, I like McDonald's. Once I saw that, I was like, oh, McDonald's going to be so fucking good. I've been saying it for years. I promise. The hand fighting, the bend, the flexibility, the mindset, I, I think uh, I've really come around on that. I mean, never. I, I honestly, compared to rest, rest Jets Twitter, I was high on the pick. But I've really come around the more I've watched him and the more I've, I've heard him talk. I think he is going to be quite good. Yeah, you have talked to- about that a lot, and I think there's definitely a lot to – to say about how that can apply to trench play in the NFL and also just his balance, like staying afoot yes. as a no, bendy incredible. guy like that, yeah. being able to, you know, put your hand down, keep yourself well, up off the ground. And the one thing, turns. the one thing you can take from jujitsu is like, it, it's a, it's a flow state. And I think that it really applies to, to the defensive line as well. It's like, you know, you have to be able to use somebody's uh, energy and their force against them. And I think, you know, look, it's not a, it is apples to oranges in a way. Like he's not wearing a gi out there on the football field. He can't. He can't hold. Well, he can't hold. I guess, but he's not getting a collar tie, uh, <laughs> rushing from the wide nine. But I think there's a. Uh, I don't know. I think it translates. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, cool players from McDonald this year. Also, the, the athleticism just jumps off the charts. I don't care that he's an old rookie. He's he's going to be fun. I think he's going to make an impact this year. That's uh, you know, even d- despite how deep the Jets are. I'm. You know what? You know what lineup I'm really excited to see. What's what's your best, like. End of the game, third and fifth. Yeah, exactly. Like put them in the same position they were in against the Bills last year, and it's like, okay, you just need guys who can pin their ears back and get upfield. What's your four look like? McDonald. Put, yeah, McDonald right side. Um, JFM. Oh no, McDonald yeah. right side. Q right defensive tackle. JFM left, and then Huff on the left edge. I'm going Clemens instead of JFM because if it's the end of the game, you want that yeah. speed out there. You know, you got to be able to chase Josh Allen around. I think JFM for a defensive tackle is pretty speedy. We're talking, yes, that might be. But I think if you're going to go with the Huff McDonald lineup, you're going light regardless. So I think JFM's coming off the field. You're putting Clemens inside. But what is so? This is like 100 percent pass. This is this is the, yeah exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like the situation they okay. faced against the Bills at the end of the game. Um, you know they're going to try to throw. JFM is just a more skilled pass rusher than Clemens right at now. At this though. point, we'll see. I liked a lot of the the reps from from Clemens inside. I don't know. I mean, he showed some stuff. I would just trust JFM more right now. That was the third down package last year, JFM inside. You're definitely going to see that a lot, but I think their third down package won't, a lot of times, won't feature Huff and McDonald on the field at the same time. I think they're going to alternate them because you still have Carl. You still, you know, you still have Jermaine Johnson. So, you know, they got, they got a lot of, a lot of mouths to feed. But if we're going pure speed, 100% pass, I'm going Clemens and Q inside. And uh, McDonald and Huff on the outside. You could maybe put JFM. What, what about McDonald inside and no. Lawson on the edge? If, if you're just going max speed. Okay. Well, mm, I would put. I would rather see. I know. I know McDonald did it in college, but if if one of them has to play inside, I'd rather see Lawson. But I, I don't. I don't see. That's uh, another one. Now yeah. we're we're just getting really creative now. Yeah, you could really get creative. I think the stunts with with McDonald are also going to be 
uh, huge just because you see that that short area quickness and that. I think fluidity. Quentin Jefferson could get some third downs too because you're mentioning stunts. That's one thing I thought Quentin Jefferson was really good at when watching some of his film. He's he gets downhill really quick. He's explosive off the line. So just straight direction, cause havoc, attracting guys to you. He's really good at that, and it opens up room for someone else to loop around on a stunt. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I think I did all the plugs. But, uh, yeah, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes if you can. Subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. We'll be back next Monday. Uh, we have a big summer plans. A few interviews we're lining up, a few uh, ideas, but it's going to be a very busy summer on this podcast. It's an exciting time to be a Jets fan. I imagine there's a few uh, maybe new Jets fans that are, you know, I'll welcome them with open arms. I mean, maybe they weren't there, you know, during the Gase years, the Deontay Burnett uh, wide receiver one years. The uh, I'm trying to think of some other terrible Jets. Clyde Gates, Greg Bryce Salas. Petty. Bryce Petty, my God. Maybe they weren't there for that, but I welcome all new Jets fans. It's going to be a fun summer uh, and, and a great season. Um, anyways, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Go Jets.